Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on November the 24th, 2020. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, a sexy skeletal man. Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we're going to be discussing the November Game Club, which is Death and Taxes. We're going to be talking about the next Game Club game for December. We're going to go over the Games Awards nominees list. Nintendo bans brands that's hard to say, from using Animal Crossing New Horizons for politics. And we will have a Steam Weekly Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello. Hello. Live or die? Uh, Can I just have cake instead? (laughs) Fair enough. What about pie? I don't have any cake, but I've got some pie in there in the freezers. Pumpkin pie. Well, well, I do have a pumpkin pie in there in the kitchen as well. So I guess pie works. Pie it is. Woo. Woo. We're tired. Yeah, this is going to be a weird one. Yeah, I have no idea if this is going to be a short podcast because we don't have a lot of things to talk about in the grand scheme of things, or a long podcast because we're both a little bit tired and just like vamp for six hours. A little bit loopy, right? Yeah. Hopefully And And also, we do have the game, uh, uh, awards to talk about and that's always a long uh topic yeah it can be can be uh are we going to do our choices for what we think are are going to win and then completely uh forget them by the time the game awards come around we can i as, haven't even looked at the list yet it'll be a surprise Ooh. but yeah you may have noticed dear listener that we don't have a games we played this week because neither of us played anything new uh i played more tetris effect Factorio and X4. Yeah, I've mostly been focusing on getting through Zelda. I'm coming up to the last dungeon, so uh, you know, in like a month or two, expect me to actually have uh, my final thoughts on uh, Zelda Oracle of Seasons. Nice. I did play Contact Customer Support for my Bluetooth uh, earbuds. One of them just mysteriously got quiet. Its volume is maybe 25% of max. And, you know, usual troubleshooting, especially with the earbuds, like check for earwax, clean them. Um, you, you uh, are like we talking a, about the, air, uh, the earbud uh, or your ear? Yes. Um, did uh, you know, like a reset on them to like a factory reset to see if like some setting was accidentally changed and I didn't know how I did it? No avail. So I played talk to stupid customer service. I always, I hate, and I get that they have scripts that they read. I get it. But, but someone, to, that's the thing. I know, I know. But it's just like, I, I, like I talk to them. And it's like, hey, I already went through the automated support. I tried doing the reset. I tried doing this. It suggested because those things failed to escalate to, to support. Like, do you have any other suggestions for me? Uh, did you try the reset? Bitch, I just said so. You're just saying there, ah, Twitch. Yes. Yeah. I did, not, I did not call the person a bitch because I realize they have their scripts that they have to read, but it doesn't make it any less infuriating. But they're sending me a new a new pair of earbuds. They couldn't figure out what was wrong either. But, yep, that's, that's what I played this week. <laughs> Customer support. So better or worse than uh, Windows Safe Mode? Uh, 
better, I think. They did help me. It didn't take me super long. I mean, to be fair, I just got frustrated with it. I said, fuck it, we're not nuking the entire install. Right. Nuke it from safe mode. It's the only way to be sure. Nuke it from Windows Repair. <laughs> Nuke it from Red because, 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 because remember, I had to go into fucking RegEdit to even be able to uninstall something. Oh my god, RegEdit, that reminds me. I also fixed Google Drive and uh, my weird folder permission thing. That took me f- four and a half hours. It took me longer to fix the broken shit on my computer than it took me to play through death and taxes. And I wished for death by the time <laughs> I was done. I was swearing. I was having a, a, a private conversation on Discord with um, my artist lady because we were talking about an art commission, one of the ones that I've already commissioned her to do and she's working on. And I just like start typing in chat like, I'm sorry, you're here and I need to vent about this right now. And it was like... Pfft this like huge message about how Google Drive was fucking stupid and mm-hmm. uh, um, when Microsoft or Windows 10 was fucking stupid I have a folder that I use it's it's my big screenshot folder that is for um, all of my backgrounds and I've got it you know on Google Drive and it's just shared there and all of my computer or all of my PCs point to that drive to pull for the screenshots um and just randomly, Windows decided, like, you don't have permission to view this. It's like, what do you mean? They're my screenshots. I took them. Or, you know, have downloaded them from places online. Like, I, I might could understand, like, individual files suddenly having permissions that I couldn't read. Like, if it was something I, would, I downloaded. Because, like, you know, the internet is a weird and scary place. And, like, shit can happen that I don't understand. Like, fine. Fine. But no, it's the whole folder. It's like ninety percent of the images in this folder are screenshots I've taken from like video games and stuff, and so I I spent hours. What was the fix? fix I just on a whim I was like, what happens if I copy this and paste it somewhere else, and then copy it back, and that fixed it. I just you know, like, I could I could hear that at twitch. Yeah, because no. I'm like I'm like okay, so what I'm gonna do? Because you, know, you know you go in and you check the permission and. You override it, you know, administrative uh, permission, you know, you override it, you change who owns the file. I tried changing it to a bunch of different stuff, to like system, to back to me, to everyone, all kinds of stuff. None of it worked. Messed around in the registry a little bit. That didn't work. I was like, you know what? What if I just copy it? Because when you copy stuff, if it's not supposed to be readable, it'll ask you like, hey, you don't have permission to do this unless you use administrative permission. And so you do, and then it copies it. And I did that. And then I could, I had permission to view everything again and I copied it back and it still worked. So <laughs> fuck off windows 10 and Google drive with your weird, stupid error. Wouldn't install kept hanging on the install. I had to you know, that, go delete <laughs> shit in the registry to make that work too. Yeah. That feels a lot like uh, what I had to deal with. Only more time. Yeah. So this has been my rant. Fuck Windows 10 and, and fuck Google Drive. Axel going, good customer support. I'm not sure if your products are good or not because I haven't had even had these earbuds for six months and one of them is broken, but at least you're fixing it with minimal hassle. I mean, I do understand them having to go through the uh, the hoops and you know, the customer service minions. They always have to follow their scripts. Otherwise, they get in trouble. Yeah. So I do understand that one. 
annoying, but I understand it. Yeah. You want to talk about something else that's as annoying, but that you understand? Like death and taxes? Well, I'm not sure understand is the proper word here, but sure. (laughs) Indeed. So welcome, if you're a new listener, um, or have somehow managed to miss in every Game Club episode we've ever done in the past, this is our Game Club. Rage and I play the same game at the same time, and then we talk about it from our different perspectives. We have, in recent memory, had more games that we play at the same time to talk about. Yeah, but honestly, a lot of times that's games that we've been playing together anyway. True, but yeah, but historically speaking, we don't often have a lot of games in common, at least at the same time. So this is a way for us to do that and approach them from our own unique and special perspectives. And for the month of November, we picked Death and Taxes, which was part of, you can buy it on, I think, all the PC platforms, but we had it as part of the uh, itch.io Bundle uh, super racist. mega, super mega racial uh, equality bundle. Indeed, um, and and we played this. Uh, it's fairly short to do a single playthrough. I, I played it for about three and a half hours. Most of the stuff that I, I read online said that you could probably complete a run in somewhere between two and two and a half. Um, but I'm kind of slow and meticulous for this kind of stuff. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I think I was at like an hour and a half in. I will admit, I didn't get through it because it just, uh, it, it feels weird. It, there's this kind of lulling you to sleep uh, that it kept doing to me. So I realized I just wasn't going to get through it and pay attention. So uh, I ended up reading a bit of what was going on. Yeah. So Death and Taxes has been primarily sold or reviewed as as being a mix of papers please and a little bit of a visual novel type thing and yeah, i don't no. think that's correct at all it's it's like saying you know uh, um mario's like super meat boy because they're in the same genre no yeah the uh, only resemblance that it bears to Papers, Please is that you do have a desk environment where you kind of arrange things on, and but you that's do it. a single paper for each uh, file. It's just, yeah. I think, I think it might just stem from the issue that games can be very diverse. So, a lot of times, trying to explain a game that's a little bit more niche or not well known. They'll go for a more well-known game. That, that's why you know everything is like Overwatch or the PUBG or you know, or now Fortnite or whatever. It's like it's like Fortnite, but it's like PUBG, but it's, uh, it's like the Overwatch. Dark souls of platformers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think it does this game a disservice because I was expecting uh, uh, something different going into it, and it just never really. Uh, came to it because a lot about what paper what made papers please a lot more interesting which i did have my issues with papers please but that's beside the point is that one the pressure that you were under the that you know time crunch and having to get so much done in a day and ha- or your family starves but also that secondary element of these hard choices to try to keep your family alive while you know, maybe undermining the government or doing your job, or you know, depending on the uh, the path you are taking with that, and that is where death and taxes kind of follows along a little bit. That there's some hidden paths that you could take and uh, do some uh, odd things as well. But 
there's not the time pressure. There, you're given a lot of lenience from everything that I understand uh, outside of just doing, you know, some really dumb things while on the job per se. So I guess we should say, you know, the theme of this essentially is the bureaucracy of the, of the afterlife or, or the, or the great beyond. Yeah. You start the game and you are a new grim reaper, not the grim reaper. Uh, there are, Many, many, many Grim Reapers for everything. There's Yeah, and there's different departments in essentially this bureaucracy. Like, there's the plant division where you have to work a day, and it's, you know, uh, tumbleweed, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and it is, it, there is actually a lot of humor in the game, but yeah. it's all in little snippets, and it doesn't pop up that often. Yeah. But so you you play a Grim Reaper who is just referred to as Grim for pretty much the entire game. Um, so you, you play Grim and you uh, have to decide. You're like you're given a, a task list every day, or you know a group of of humans every day, except for the odd day where you do the plant uh, plant deaths. But you have to decide: do these people live or do they die? And you're given base requirements by your boss who is is fate um you know a, a quota you have to meet like six humans have to die today or something like that and then there are sort of little bonus objectives that if you complete those you do get a bonus payment at the end of the day um, uh, like it could be uh two humans have to die that are under the age of 30 or uh anybody that is of a religious background is spared today that sort of thing yeah and you just see really like essentially a short paragraph about them and their current situation, uh, their age, their name, and their job. If they're unemployed, if they're a doctor, if they're you know a, a, a con artist, that sort of thing. Yep. It it does a good job with that to occasionally have some nuance to it. Like sometimes it's like you know this person is you know a, a con artist who, and then in the description it's like. Uh, this person works at old, an old folks' home and is constantly trying to scam money out of the old people that live there. Mm-hmm. And that you know that's a pretty obvious one. But then sometimes you get some that are a little more nuanced. It's like you know this person is a politician and you know it lists some of their policy ideas, and you're like, oh, is this like a good person or a bad person because of like maybe some ambiguous wording or based on the fictional world that has been created. It's like, okay, is this a good policy decision or a bad policy decision for the, the for the world that has been created in front of you? Um, I I think something that I didn't see a lot of credit given because I after I play um, when I'm preparing for the episode to talk about Game Club after I play it myself and I go I go and I look up some reviews and I look up some you know discussion about the game you know if it exists and so maybe watch a YouTube video or two and something I didn't pick up from a lot of these reviews on was how much sort of background stuff is going on that if you can, you can keep, keep track of and see how the world is, is developing. Um, there's a system in the game that is closest to, I guess, reigns where that based on who you let live or die, there are, are certain stats that go up or down that lead towards the type of ending that you're going to get. Yeah. And, like for example, there's a, a astrophysicist that, is watching for asteroids, and if you kill them, 
then an asteroid comes down and wipes out a bunch of animals. Whoops. Right? Whoopsie. There's one like that for an earthquake. Um, Scientists, I'm sure they have a cool name that I can't think of right now. But um, if you let them live, which I did, I let them live. Then she detected a, a, a really big earthquake and they were able to evacuate the city and like save a bunch of lives. Mm-hmm. So, um, but there, there is quite a bit of background nuance story going on that you can keep track of that, that happens. And sometimes it's very directly based on your choices. And other times it's, it's subtle dialogue based on some things that have happened before. Like there was something that kept happening with, uh, artificial intelligence and computer and security stuff mm-hmm. and watching the, the the developing backdrop of like okay they keep being these security breaches and the person who said to keep ai in check like dies and there starts being more and more stuff about like robotics and and people who are afraid of of robots and afraid of um you know an apocalyptic robot scenario like the Matrix. They didn't say the Matrix directly. I forget what they said in the game. See, I didn't have that pop up, but also I think that uh, there's different paths depending on that branch off pretty quickly. Yeah. There there are some that are directly related to one another because I had one where it's like I killed somebody and then in the next list of people, his his spouse was there. And it was like, yeah, you know, so-and-so was married to this other person and now she's in charge of the corporation that he was running this is her skill set and then I could choose to let her live or die. (laughs) But all of this builds up towards a a variety of endings, just in in the vein of papers, please. There is some kind of underground or like rebel force within the organization. And pretty early on, they, they start, they contact you. Um, You buy a mirror, which is how you're able to change your, your look. Um, you know, your clothing and, and your style, but you get quite a, a lot of cosmetic options, which are a lot of fun and get interesting, unique dialogue options um, to them. Um, but uh, once you buy the mirror, there's some type of entity that lives with in the mirror or communicates uh, it's to you. Death, the, uh, the being of death. Okay. Death itself. Yeah, uh, at least that's uh, at least that's what it said. Uh, see, I got the mirror pretty early on. Yeah, you get the mirror within like the first week, I think, or right or after you the can. first week. Uh, that's the thing is that uh, there's a rotating stock that goes through the store. So I had the mirror pop up like on day three or four. But I, I got through my entire first week before I got the mirror, but then I got it the second week, and I I did the entire mirror progression. So. The, the you know the the rebels or whatever um, communicate with you through the mirror, and then they give you uh, red contracts or red mm-hmm. you know um, bios of people which have special instructions on them. And if you follow, I, I assume all of the special instructions. I don't, I don't know if you can skip any of them, but I followed all of them. Then that leads to you having the option to kill fate or not as the very last one so you if you kill fate you take his job Mm -hmm. and you become fate so the the end but the ending that i got so fate let's just let's just dive into this right here fate is your boss and fate has become disillusioned with humanity and so he creates you to be his puppet to 
destroy humanity because you you run into there's a bar that's only open on the weekends and there are characters that show up in the bar that you can have conversations with and they all have various insights on what you've been doing and the other sort of aspects of the organization of the afterlife and all the different departments and things and you find out by talking to another grim reaper for humans that like they just have like the same monotonous task every day they're supposed to um you know kill all of this type of person that they get or uh um you know they they don't they don't have as much variance in what they're doing and you can talk to them and be like oh i get different uh contract requirements every day and like that they have these little goals and like that's really weird like nobody else in the department gets that Mm -hmm. um and so you know you were created specifically to be the tool or the scapegoat of fate destroying humanity and it starts out you know kill x number of people and you have to you know you get to just decide like who lives or dies for you know basically arbitrary reasons and then he starts to give you bonus objectives, which we already mentioned, you know, kill all of the religious people or uh, any, you know, kill all, stu- all students must die or all students must live. And I don't know how randomized these bonus objectives are. Um, I was looking and, and the um, the sheets that you get or the bios that you get of people are somewhat randomized. So it, it I don't know how random they are. But these bonus objectives that he's given you specifically are leading to the downfall of humanity. And so if you follow them the entire way through, you're guaranteed to wipe out humanity. Um, and I, I figured that out at a certain point, like, okay, this dude, because like he, he kind of goes crazy, has a little mental break. And if you're, you get to, well, say he sure went on a hunt. <laughs> he should have, or, or had a feast. Um, uh, but, he doesn't seem like the feasting sort. No. Um, but you you go and you get a performance review from him every every day, right. yeah. Um, and you get chances to ask him questions and interact with him, and you can respond enthusiastically or inquisitively or sort of sadistically, um, and that prompts different responses from him. I was always very like inquisitive and would ask him questions and listen to him, and he starts talking about writing, and he wanted to write. a a novel and he's going on and on and on and he gets very distracted from his work and so within the first couple of weeks i i I figured out what was going on like okay this guy is wanting you to kill people like just wanting you to wreck stuff so like how do i operate within the bounds of of what i need to do to not get fired or killed or whatever they do to you oh excuse me sorry um to not Uh, get into the void yeah, ejected into the void, but also not kill humanity. And I still wound up like with humanity dying, despite the fact that I figured it out and was actively trying to subvert what he wanted me to do. Yeah, basically you figure it out after the point of no return. Yeah, and and I don't I don't know, you know, specifically where that falls or if there was something I could have done to change it, and I just made some mistakes, but um it was very interesting to watch his descent into madness because he, he leaves and he goes on a vacation. Yeah. And leaves the cat in charge, by the way, and leaves the cat in charge, which was adorable. One of the, tri- one of the trinkets you can buy is like a, a squeaky toy and you can give it to the cat and that makes the cat like you. Um, and makes fate a little frustrated because the cat has a squeaky toy, but then <laughs> it endears fate to you because you, you know, you liked 
you were nice to his cat and he really likes his cat. Um, but he leaves and he goes on this vacation. He's gone for a whole week. Um, and then he comes back and in my playthrough, I don't know if this is the same in every playthrough. I don't know if you got this far, but in my playthrough, the next week he went on a vacation again for part of the week, just like an impromptu vacation. Uh, see, I didn't get that, but I may have not gotten that far. And then he comes back and he's really pissed off because the other department heads are like, dude, what are you doing? Like, what's going (laughs) on? You know? And so he like, he, he like vents to you and has a breakdown. And I'm like, you know what? You should just, just keep writing your book. I got this. I got this. (laughs) And so he like fucks off for the, for the rest of the game. And is like writing his book. And so I stopped getting the special instructions. And the, the notes that I get from him are like, you know what? You can do this. Like, you decide. You decide what to do today. And so I thought I had a chance to turn it around, but I guess I didn't. But, you know, there's there's a multiple endings you can get where, you know, you wind up in charge with him dead or you wind up getting fired um, and, you know, you save the world, you destroy it, you turn it into a utopia. There's room for replayability if you want to see how the different endings and some of those conversations play out, I suppose. But after playing through it one time, I felt like I saw pretty much everything there was to see. The 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 humor, you mentioned the humor earlier. I think the humor in this game is spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really... It, it runs the gamut of sort of silly, um, ridiculous, you know, satirical jokes, um, all the way up to like really dark, like gallows type humor. But it manages to pull it all off because of the you know what's going on in the game. Like it's you know sort of ridiculous, and you are are deciding who lives and dies every day. So it makes sense that there's some gallows humor, but also um, there's like a, a skeleton man that you run into who is being harassed by another skeleton man, and you can make jokes at his expense <laughs> about yeah. you know the fact that he is kind of like a weird nerd who doesn't have good comebacks. So yeah, see, I missed out on going to the bar the first couple of times because I just, uh, I put that uh, thing into uh, the drawer and just forgot about it and just was kind of, like I said, I got into the groove of it. Yeah. And, you know, I realized that, Oh, I'm going to the bar and I've been able to for quite a while. Uh, and, you know, and it was like, Oh, uh, you've been working around here. You haven't been in here for uh, at all. Have you? And, and, you know, seemed uh, rather surprised to see me in there. So, you know, I think I missed a lot of the nuance as well because of that. Yeah. I went to the bar the first weekend and the bartender, I really like the bartender. She's like <laughs> this weird juxtaposition of like really intelligent, insightful, introspective. But then like, howdy y'all. I'm also kind of a redneck too. <laughs> like it's great. Um, Cause what is it that she says? Like every time you end the conversation, she's like, or, um, au revoir, little reaper. <laughs> it's like the juxtaposition of like the perfect French, which I can't do to the, the really red, yeah, to the, the redneck little reaper, you know, with the little, just that Southernism on it, <laughs> which I can do very well. Um, brilliant. I love that. Did she do the test for you to find out what your personal drink was? Uh, No. Okay, maybe that's something that only happens if you go the first weekend, because she gives you like a little quiz and then creates a unique alcoholic beverage for you to enjoy. So oh, and if you didn't go me. the first week, you must have missed the ghost. You missed Gus. Yeah. Gus is definitely you. Uh-oh. Gus is the you. He's so grumpy about everything. 
he's he's a uh, a ghost janitor and you talk to him and you're like hey you know who are you you know what's going on you're a ghost and he's like yeah don't 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 talk to me don't bother me and you're like oh but why i'm just trying to make friends and he's like do you realize how i have to clean up this place <laughs> you're like no he's like i'm a ghost i have to possess the things to clean them up do you know how hard it is to possess alcohol and evaporate it into the air <laughs> and trash and like put myself in the trash can <clears throat> and you're like that doesn't make any sense and he's like look at yourself in the mirror you're just bones you drink <laughs> alcohol and it just spills on the floor <laughs> it was really grumpy yes he is my spirit animal uh, literally yeah um did you meet the plant person uh no uh his name I, was i think i went the third weekend so there was the the reaper that had the, like the rainbow hair uh-huh uh, complaining about this other Reaper that's always making fun of him. Yep. Okay, so you you missed Gus. Um, mm-hmm. You missed Herbert, which was the plant. Get it? Herb. Yeah. Herbert. And like, he even makes that joke. He's like, hey, my name's Herbert. <laughs> He's got like a, a New York kind of accent. Yeah. He's like, hey, my name's Herbert. You're like, Herbert? Yeah. You know, Herbert. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I, gen- like, I was genuinely laughing. Um, and then who else was there that week? The guy from the basement, uh, Fate's like partner. I don't know if they're romantic partners or business partners. That's very unclear. But there's some. Uh, let's be honest. Uh, Fate is fucking the cat. <laughs> Probably. But there's something going on in the basement. Something about how time is always expanding and growing. And he tries to catalog the, the eons. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a way to actually get down to the basement or not. Um, but again, it could be, like I mean, it could, it, I mean, you could see it, uh, down there, but right. Yeah. Um, and then let's see, you mentioned the rainbow haired skeleton man. Um, there was the bird guy. Did you meet the bird man? Uh, no. Okay. The bird man is kind of an asshole, but he's definitely voiced by pro ZD. Uh, I looked it up. I was like, Hey, that's, I think that's him. Pro ZD. Uh, the Asian voice actor, that did like tons and tons of vines um, back when vine was a thing. I'm having a strong uh, urge to tell you, get, uh, get the fuck off my lawn. Yeah. Pro ZD. He, he voices the, the bird character. Um, and I was like, that's definitely pro ZD. And then I looked it up and confirmed he voiced the bird character. So, but yeah, he's kind of like a weird sadistic asshole that is also all about killing all the people. Hmm. Um, the bartender, her personality changes too, and she has unique dialogue based on what clothes you wear and how you change your face. Because you know, we mentioned the cosmetics earlier, and from yeah. from the pirate, I love the pirate. Um, but you buy you buy different outfits and different uh, head styles and other like, sort of equipment that can give you cosmetic stuff. Um, you buy cat ears, and you can be an anime cat person. And so I bet you can guess what I was. Oh, boy. I mean, the fir- at first I got the cigarettes because that was just the first cosmetic I got. So you're like this, like, I don't know, 1920s, like, detective man with smokes. And then I got some <laughs> glasses, and that makes you like a businesswoman, which is interesting. Um, and then I got an Egyptian artifact thingy, which makes you into the bird pre- person. And then I got the cat ears, and I was the cat. I was an anime cat for the rest of the the time. (laughs) 
but they, you know, the, the bartender lady has different dialogue based on the outfit that you're wearing. And if you wear the same outfit two weeks in a row, she's like, Oh, do you ever change your clothes? You stink. <laughs> Which I guess means that you don't shower either. Well, it makes sense. Right. But, but how does your clothes get soiled? I mean, you're a skeleton. Well, I mean, I was drinking a lot of alcohol and Ghostman yeah, your- said that it just flowed through you. Yeah, but it should just evaporate off. I mean, <laughs> true. But there was there was some others as well, and some other people you ran into in the bar. There was another Grim Reaper you run into who's uh, a really jaded lady who, like, her primary assignment is to kill salesmen. <laughs> She's like, I've been killing salesmen for what feels like thousands of years. <laughs> um, but yeah, dialogue top notch. Oh, the very last week, the pirate comes to the bar. Oh boy. And he tells you a story. Like, I mean, he tells you stories for every item that you buy from him, but he tells you yeah. an, an extended story about him and his crew. And then you can tell him a story and you just like make it up on the spot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I told like a really boring office story. It's like I was sitting at my desk and new paperwork came in. And I was sitting there spinning my fidget spinner. I filled out all the paperwork, I faxed it back. <laughs> and then I kissed a plant. I think that was how my story went. And he was like, "Arr, maybe that be a uh, rousing tale." It did have a twist of romance there at the end. I'm a romantic at heart. <laughs> and then when you finish the game, he's like, "I, matey, that was terrible." <laughs> Even we pirates be having a code. <laughs> if you'd like to try again, you can take this. I'll give you this magical trinket once for free. It'll take you. Back in time, and you can try again. So well, let's it, be honest; it's more of a guideline than a code, but still, yeah. Death, I okay. Do you? Um, I don't. I'm not, I don't want to go off onto like too much, like you know, theoretical, like uh, deep dive territory here. If if you have more things you want to talk about, because I realize I mean, I've not, been talking for a bit. Yeah, I mean, not really, because like I said, I think this is getting like a little too real with uh, this year, you know. Uh. And I just had trouble getting into it. I recognize it is a very good game. And a, a night, I would actually say it's more of a visual novel than, and leave just all the idea about Papers, Please completely out of the equation here. Mm-hmm. And if I approached it as a visual novel, uh, then I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more. But I was, I had certain expectations that it just did not meet. And because of that, it just kind of threw me for a loop. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that overall. Um, I, I definitely think I liked it. Or I, I pretty positive I liked it more than you did based on our, our conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I didn't dislike it. That's the thing, you know. And, yeah. And that's what I want to really highlight is that I did not hate this game. It's just I wasn't wild for it either. It was kind of a meh territory. Right. The thing that I have struggled the most with, and, and maybe the more that I have time to ruminate on it and think about it some more and may maybe go back and do another run and see how sort of one of the, quote, good endings differs from the bad ending. I don't know what this game is trying to achieve from a theming or, um, you know, commentative type of standpoint. Like, the game is called Death and Taxes. You know, nothing in life is certain, but death and taxes, the old saying goes. Mm-hmm. And, um... Nothing about this game feels inevitable. The game is, through its character dialogue, often giving you the choice to to speak about existential dread. Like, oh, I feel so terrible. Like, 
the weight of this is weighing on top of me. And perhaps this is my own perspective as someone who's played games for forever and has been dealing with basically a persistent existential crisis for years at this point. Um, You know, like that sort of stuff just didn't land with me in a very deep resonating way. And the game is definitely doing a good job trying to promote that. Like, like we've mentioned, or, you know, the nuance, the character dialogue, the uh, layers within layers of, you know, character choice and thought process and pattern and, how fucking like batshit like the conversation that you or that I had with fate about like, what does it all mean? Cause like part of that breakdown <laughs> that he had, like a com- the conversation was like, he was like a-, a nihilist. Life is pointless. This is stupid. You know, whatever we do doesn't really matter anyways, but I didn't feel like that was the whole point of the game. Cause I feel like the game is trying to tell you what you do matters and the the decisions that you have count for something, even if they're extremely abstract and you can't always tell what the consequences for that are going to be, your actions have consequences. Like, that's what I felt like the game play was trying to tell me. But then the game is saying, none of this matters. It's all bullshit. You know, we live and we die and that's it. And if that's the point, if the point is like life is conflicting and you have to make your own meaning... I'm going to give that like a big thumbs down, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if that's what the game is actually trying to say. I don't know if it's me and my own headspace and my own personality and all this stuff, like getting in the way of the game's main message to get to me or to get through to me. But I mean, I've really, really, really been trying to chew through the themes on this. And yeah, it just just felt to me like there was something here and I just couldn't quite grasp it. So that might also have been part of it for me. It's just, yeah, the, I, the, I just couldn't, you know, it, it, it felt like donut County all over again, where, you know, it felt like there was something a lot deeper that I just, because the game kind of just wasn't grasping me. I just was, uh, you know, it was out of my reach. Yeah. If the game is, is presenting all of these ideas to you and is trying to promote your own, choice and growth through the decisions that the character makes may maybe that's what it's trying to do because thinking about the different characters <clears throat> generally the bartender is upbeat and feels as if what you're doing makes a difference and if you come to her and you're like i feel like i'm doing a really shitty job ah, existential crisis she's like no no sweetie it's okay you you got this <laughs> you can do this but and then fate is like horribly nihilistic some of the other characters you meet are, you know, like I said, like um, you meet the bird man and he's like a sadistic fucker. And then you meet um, the, uh, the other reaper that feels like her job is monotonous and you can encourage her to try and, um, you know, mix, mix things up a little bit, rebel a little bit against the system, like small rebellions and see what kind of a difference that makes. Um, and your interaction with Herb Herb is presenting a type of conspiracy theory about what's going on. And it turns out he's completely right uh, about what's going on. So maybe, I, I don't know, maybe listen to other people's viewpoints, even if they seem, seem crazy, maybe there's some validity to it and you have to do your own digging. Yeah, but, yeah, but that path leads uh, to some dark places online these days. That's true. But, you know, like the game is presenting all of these options. And if it's doing that and it's saying, now you choose, you choose what you're going to do. And you can have this as a microcosm to see what the outcome of your choice might be. That's 
maybe the, 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 like the farthest I can push this right now. Cause I mean, I've been thinking about this for days now, trying to come up with like a really good succinct explanation and the game doesn't have to have one. It's art. This is very clearly an artistic piece that someone put a lot of time and energy into, into crafting this experience where that people can go through and get a different read on the situation. You know, it, it sounds like you and I were headed down two different paths anyways, even if you mm-hmm. had, you know, hadn't, um, if you had completed it, like I suspect we would have had different outcomes based on, you know, the, the past that we took, um, <clears throat> you know, so it's a very complex piece of art. So it doesn't have to necessarily be like, this is the point. Here is the point I'm trying to make. Although that makes it easier, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like the game was giving off a lot of mixed messages. But again, with any work of art, you bring your own experiences and interpretation to it. And perhaps someone who comes from a more mm, conservative conservative background or less, maybe maybe someone who's younger and less experienced. Like, I mean, I'm not like some wise old sage, but I mean, I'm old enough to have seen a lot of shit. And specifically, my my profession brings me into contact with so many different walks of life and opinions and viewpoints anyways. But if, if I was like 18 or 20 playing this game and being exposed to some of these ideas for the first time, maybe it would have a lot more meaningful impact on me to see the outcome of some of these choices. I'm not sure. I like the game. And the fact that I can have this thoughtful discourse with its material is I think like a huge plus for it anyways. But, you know, I, I don't know if this is like an A plus type of game or not, but it's definitely one that I respect and I enjoyed and appreciated my time with. And I'm going to keep having this thought process. I don't know if I'll, you know, report back next week or in a couple of weeks or whatever, but I'm definitely going to be thinking about this one for a while. And so, you know, to me, that's a huge, you know, double thumbs up. I don't know at this point, because <laughs> this is weird. Like I want to recommend it, but I don't know at this point, like if I could, because basically like we've ruined it, <laughs> you know, yeah, like we've, true. Taken, we've taken away the journey that you can go on. Um, and I will say that it's also a bit expensive for what it is. How much does it cost if you uh, just go to buy it? Uh, about 13 bucks. It's starting to get to that point where it's not sure, you know? Yeah. That's that's a little bit of a hard sell for if you're just going to do a single playthrough. Yeah, if you go through it two or three, If you go through it two or three times, I, I think I'm okay with that. Although, honestly, like, I mean, I feel like the game has a lot to offer, you know? This is definitely one that I'm going to recommend to people. If you mm-hmm. feel like that we haven't completely ruined the experience for you, like the punch of the experience. Um, yeah, but I also think that uh, because there's quite a few different endings and it also depends on your choices throughout, that you can go down quite a few different paths as well. Yeah. So I do think it's worth a recommendation, even though I, I personally didn't really care for it. Just uh, don't pet the cat. <laughs> yeah, we both tried to pet the cat. Neither of us were successful in that endeavor. Did you? Oh my god! Did you get to have the existential conversation with the cat? I mean, the cat doesn't talk back. It's not a conversation, yeah. but okay. yeah, it's it's one of those. Wait, why am I talking to a cat? Yeah, right? it was beautiful. <laughs> the cat fell asleep while I was talking. <laughs> but you know. It's fine. I can uh, 
can live with that. So yeah, that was uh, Death and Taxes. Woo. Two thumbs up. At least for me. For our next Game Club game for the month of December, we are playing one for us that is a bit odd. Doubly so, because I was the one who picked it. Uh, We're playing Celeste. Uh, Celeste is a uh, supposed to be a pretty hardcore platformer um, compared to Super Meat Boy that has got a super wide range of difficulties um, customization um, where you can make it much easier on yourself all the way to apparently much harder on yourself. And I was the one who suggested it. I wanted to kind of get out of the comfort zone a little bit. I felt like the difficulty and assist mode would be uh, something that could help me overcome some of my foibles with platformer type games. And I've heard nothing but... I'll just, you see, right? (laughs) Right. And I've heard nothing but good things about this game for a year or two. I don't remember exactly when it came out, but um, at least a year. Uh, and currently, it is on Game Pass. It's it's fairly new to Game Pass, so if you do have Game Pass and you want to play along, uh, you can get it and you can play it. So Celeste for December. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that moves us on to our news topics. The first Woo. topic of the night: the Game Awards 2020 nominees. Yeah, uh, I don't know where that pause came from. I became <laughs> Obama for a second. Thanks, Obama. Yeah, so the Game Awards, essentially, I guess the closest thing we get to an actual award show without it getting too much full bullshit, even though Game Awards is trending that way, isn't it? Yeah, it gets more and more bullshitty every year. So it'll be interesting to see just what they do this year, because I imagine fully virtual uh, thing this time, and right? Yeah. Uh, and there's been a lot of times where they... Uh, just kind of throw awards like rapid fire as well, especially some of these uh, more niche awards. So it'll be interesting just to see what, how they handle it this year. <clears throat> so uh, do we just want to tackle this uh, category by category and kind of talk about it? Or uh, uh, do you want to talk about it as a whole first, just the game awards, your thoughts about them uh, the, uh, coming up to the 2020s? Bring back the Schick Hydrobot. Bring him oh. back. Senpai noticed me. That's the Game Awards in a nutshell. Um, I mean, I, you know, we should we should just go through and talk about every category. I mean, we do do this every year. Yeah, and then the yeah, then we promptly forget about what we say will win uh, when uh, the Game Awards come around in like three weeks or so. Indeed, indeed. Um, so uh, they talk. They start off with the big one, Game of the Year, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And I gotta say that this year. It kind of, I don't want to say sucks, but it's been a tough year for big releases because, you know, uh, the pandemic and everything getting pushed back. So, you know, the, the nominees are Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Animal Crossing New Horizons, and Last of Us 2. Yeah, I have at least a passing familiarity with all of those. Yeah, the only one on the list I've played is Animal Crossing: New Horizons. Yeah, only one I don't really know off uh, very well is Hades, but I do know it's a super giant game. It was, uh, I think it's a, a Epic Store exclu- or was an Epic Store exclusive for a while. <laughs> it is on Steam now though, so hmm. yeah. But yeah, it is super giant, which uh, 
has had a really good track record of video games. So, oh, that, that's kind of a tough one. I, I kind of want to say just because of how much of a cultural impact it has this has had this past year with everything shutting down and people trying to connect. I would want to give it to Animal Crossing, actually. Yeah, I mean, out of everything on the list, I would give it to Animal Crossing as well. I think the only serious competition it has is Last of Us 2, with it just being Last of Us 2. Yeah, but The Last of Us 2 was also very polarizing, because, oof, right? Yeah. But beyond that, I would say the other real competition here would be Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, just because, you know, Final Fantasy VII is a behemoth of a, you know, a fr- well, of has a behemoth of a fan base. I, I can't even say behemoth of a franchise because it's an installment of a franchise, but it's also, it has how many different games to, to surrounding this one installment of this game now? Several, because there's the spinoff games and the spinoff movie. So, specifically so, for Final Fantasy VII, yeah. Yeah. But, yep. Animal Crossing New Horizons, though. I hope it wins. Um, the next category, Best Game Direction. They've got Final Fantasy VII Remake again. Ghosts of Tsushima again. Hades again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Half-Life Alex, new one on the list. Uh, and then Last of Us 2 again. So uh, Half-Life Alex, this, that's the VR Half-Life game. Yes. That's, uh, that's kind of been a groundbreaker on just the VR front as one of the real system sellers. Yeah. Uh, because VR, it has, and Jim, Jim, stop for a moment. Stop. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jim is, uh, uh, is a big VR proponent. And I will say VR has had an issue with a lot of gimmicky stuff, a lot of experience stuff, a lot of very short gameplay stuff. And Half Life Alex has been really one of the few that's feels like a triple A game built for VR that doesn't feel like it's a, just a gimmick. That they're actually trying to incorporate the VR uh, control style and the VR experience into the game properly. Yeah, I don't. So looking, looking I mean, the- I mean, how do we really handle game direction? Are we talking about? Uh, I think. Yeah. I think right. direction is always is sort of like the best overall package, like art sort of pack. Because like when you think mm-hmm. about a director, like the director for a film or you know a TV show or whatever is is the one who's in charge of bringing all the elements together to create the most interesting thing. And we mm-hmm. think of that as being like story, but you know with games it, it can be other things as well. And I haven't personally played anything on the list based on the stuff that I've seen and have, you know, sort of been paying attention to throughout the year. I think Ghost of Tsushima has got the biggest, uh, the best chance in my mind of being the winner, and I think the one that I would vote for. Yeah, I would um, say a toss-up maybe between that and uh, Half-Life Alex, just because it is a Half-Life game, and they polish the hell out of Half-Life games, maybe to a detriment at sometimes. yeah. But I honestly don't know a lot about Ghost of Tsushima, so you know, I, I'm just going to go contrain and say Half-Life Alex with maybe my secondary pick, just because, once again, it is a darling for everyone. I would say The Last of Us 2, just because it, it is very polarizing. There are some people that were rightfully pissed off 
about some of the decisions of it. But that's also you know, kind of the hallmark of a very powerful story as well. You could right. uh, disagree with some of the decisions. You could uh, disagree with some of the gameplay. But I do think Last of Us 2 might be a, you know, a contender there as well. Right. So, best narrative. Uh, 13 Sentinels, Agus Rim. Never heard of that one. Yeah, I also have not heard of uh, that Final game. Fantasy VII Remake, once again, goes to Tsushima, once again, Hades, once again, Last of Us 2, once again. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm I mean, looking up this 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim right now just to see what uh, it is. PlayStation exclusive, it looks like. Yep. So that would explain it, huh? Some kind of JRPG or turn-based yeah. battle system of some kind? I don't know. Looks kind of interesting, but no idea what it is, so. Yeah. And this is kind of where, uh, yeah, we're kind of splitting here between best game direction and best narrative because everything I said about best game direction, which also includes the, uh, uh, not just the story, but, you know, the art as well, the music, the gameplay, could be uh, used as an, uh, as uh, a talking about Last of Us for uh, best narrative as well, as is Final Fantasy VII. I mean, Honestly, pretty strong choices overall, really. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. I don't... Mm, I don't know. Don't know anything about 13 Sentinels, so I can't say that. Maybe it is the best, but I no idea what it is. Let's um, see. A cross-genre game. Ooh, right? Yeah. That's always helpful, Wikipedia. Thank you. I don't, I don't think it's Last of Us 2. The narrative in Last of Us 2 was a mess. That story is... A hot, yeah, but hot yeah, mess. but then there's people that absolutely love it, and it comes down to what do the judges think, right? Very true. In my own personal opinion, The Last of Us Two, its story and narrative was a hot mess. Express, mm-hmm. um, Ghost of Tsushima is kind of messy from how I understand it. Um, uh, well, Final Fantasy Seven doesn't really even conclude much of the story. No. I think Hades would probably be my pick for the best narrative. The idea of you being, you know, a, a child of, of the devil, basically, or a child of Hades, like, trying to escape and interacting with all, all these gods and how the gods interact with one another. Like, that. that's very interesting, and, and I think that would be my pick for best narrative is Hades. And once again, super giant game, so, right? Yeah. Um, best art direction. Oh, boy, right? Yeah, so Final Fantasy VII, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, the new the newcomer, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, and then Last of Us Two. Uh, well, this one feels very weird because you have a triple A game, Last of Us Two, a triple A or a double A, borderline triple A, depending on how you view it, with Final Fantasy VII. Then indie game, indie game, indie game, right? Yeah. Ah. Uh, Ori the Will of the Wisp is a fucking beautiful uh, platformer. Uh, Hades is, has style just oozing from every pore. Uh, it, I mean, it's just absolutely amazing uh, art style. Ghost of Tsushima is beautiful. Last of Us 2, though, is very beautiful in a dark and, and brooding kind of way. Like, that's one part where that I don't think I have any you know, qualms about with the last of us too. Like that game is, is gorgeous mm-hmm. um, and has a very, very consistent art direction and, and theming. 
So this one is a very strong category for all of the contenders, I think. My own personal preference is um, Ghost of Tsushima. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's more up to the fact that it's just like, that's not something that we see done very often. Like, yes, there are games that are focused on, you know, Asian culture and style and, and, you know, even like that era in, in Japanese history, but just the way that it's done Mm -hmm. and how stylistic it is. um, Don't see that very often. And, and I really, really, really like it. Um, It feels a little bit unique to me. So. Yeah. Uh, Well, I'm just going to be contrarian once again, and I'm going to discredit Final Fantasy seven just because I'm, the way the games awards has always gone, it's uh, given uh, a handful of uh, awards to a single game, but it's very rare to see something sweep all its categories. Yeah. And I don't think Final Fantasy VII Remake is that strong of a game for that. Uh, and I do think it's going to be a toss-up really between Last of Us 2 and Hades. And I want to kind of give it to Hades just because super giant game. So yeah, if you've never played a super giant game, uh, it's one of those uh, uh, developers that has a very diverse uh, uh, collection of games in its uh, uh, catalog, but all of them are very strong and uh, pretty much everywhere. It just it really comes down to. Do you like or dislike that particular type of game? And I'm just looking at the gifts on the uh, Steam Store page, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, art direction feels really right at home with this one. Yeah. So the next one, best score in music, uh, Doom Eternal, Hey, Fantasy Seven, Hades, Again. Ori and the Will of the Wisps, and The Last of Us Two. Oh, once again, a tough one, huh? Because Doom Eternal, you know, all that power metal and, uh. Uh, when uh, the Doom remake came out, they played Rip and Tear live at the Game Awards. Yeah. Now, I think it actually won that year, too. Uh, Last of Us 2, uh, at that E3, they uh, when they announced it, they did a live uh, cover of uh, uh, of one of the songs in it. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, the Last of Us 2 a very good soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And I imagine so does Hades, once again, super giant game. Uh, Ori the Will of the Wisp, uh, the previous one, a uh, very strong audio score, and of course Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy VII, right? Yeah. Oh, once again, a tough one, huh? Yep. Personal preference, Doom Eternal. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of. Yeah, I would say it's a toss up, but I'll go Doom Eternal as well, just because. Hey, we agree. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, best audio design. Doom Eternal, Half-Life Alex, Ghost of Tsushima, Resident Evil 3, Last of Us 2. Ooh, I mean, all of right. these games all have really good audio design. Mm-hmm. Um, really consistent audio theming. Really atmospheric sounds and sound quality. Um, but, I mean, for me, it's no contest. It's Last of Us 2. Mm-hmm. They design. I mean, Last of Us 2 has got the most... Um, uh, disability assistance features of any game that exists to date and the game has a built-in audio mode to allow you to play it if you're completely blind like successfully wow. play it if you're completely blind and like for me 
like even if it's not technically the best audio design for regular gameplay, like if you go through the entire e- like the effort to do that, like you win. Like it's just you know, for me, it's no <laughs> contest. You know, you can be blind and successfully play The Last of Us Two without any type of help or support, you know, person to play with you. I wonder if there's speedruns of people doing that game blindfolded. I bet there are because the. Uh, there's a category in the Mike Tyson uh, speedruns of playing that game completely blindfolded. And that's just you know, a game that was not designed for it. So that would be interesting. Uh, I'm just kind of thinking about the entire package here. And I'm thinking of both the shooters, Half-Life Alex, and Doom Eternal. Well, I guess technically Resident Evil as well, but eh, it's kind of more survival. Yeah. Uh, and think of it as the entire package. And... Uh, Doom Eternal has a very varied uh, audio library just from all its weaponry, all its uh, demons that you're fighting and everything else. I, I kind of want to go with that one uh, on top of the music. I don't remember seeing a lot about Half-Life Alex's uh, audio design. And I admit Resident Evil 3, I kind of just kind of scam- skimmed past it because, you know, it's a remake, right? Yeah. And Ghost of Tsushima, don't really know a ton about it. So, I'm just going to go do my Eternal again. Fair enough. It'll win, if not best score music, best audio design. Depending on which way they uh, flip it, right? Yeah. So, best performance, right? Yep. Ashley Johnson as Ellie in Last of Us 2. Laura Baisley as Abby in Last of Us 2. Uh, Deshley Tiji. Yeah, good, as uh, Jen Saki, Suji, uh, maybe I don't know. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima, uh, Logan Cunningham as Hades in Hades, and Naji Jester as Miles Morales in Spider-Man. Miles Morales, Spider-Man. Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm a big fan Logan Cunningham. <laughs> I also am a big fan of Logan Cunningham. His voice is so sexy. I, uh, I mean, I mean, I, I, I mean, he. Uh, it's sort of like Morgan Freeman. Yeah, it was just uh, licking honey out of your ear. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I mean, uh, I don't honestly would be surprised if he wins, but I want to give it to him anyway. Because I think it'll be one of the two from Last of Us 2. Probably. And I'm not sure which one. Yeah. Just looking at uh, you know, how it's set up. Yeah, I would love to see uh, Miles Morales' uh, voice actor win this. Well, I'm not going to try to butcher's name again just because you know uh, right yeah so next category games for impact if found i don't know what that game is kentucky route zero tv edition spirit fair tell me why and through the darkest of times uh i think i'm gonna have to go with tell me why on this one so games for impact is about games sending a message uh, remember, we were very confused about uh, about when we originally talked about the game awards. Yeah, it's essentially, games trying to send a message or, uh, to uh, give a, a perspective. And tell me why is about a set of twins who one is uh, transgender and trying to figure out, yeah, you know, the uh, essentially coming to grips and understanding them from what I could understand about the story without going into spoiler territory because it is one that I've wanted to do with game club for quite a while. Yeah. Um, for me, it would be spirit fair. 
Um, I, I'm except mm-hmm. for if found, I'm familiar with all of these games. Having played Spirit Fair, looking at the way that it sort of celebrates death, and yeah, I'm just I'm looking at if found on Steam, and it's very strange. If found is a game about going home, coming out, and erasing everything. Okay, interesting. The, that's the little marketing blurb, and is that the game about the trans person who? has like a coma or is in a coma or something and they're experiencing their life in a fantastical way i have no idea there's a lot of like hand-drawn stuff on here and it's just strange uh i don't know it does look interesting weird i don't think this is the game that i was thinking of anyways um yeah so uh spirit fair just the way that it approaches death and looks at it as a way that says so something that can be celebrated. Like not that it's necessarily great that people die, but you can celebrate the life of someone mm-hmm. instead of focusing on the loss. I think that's a message that a lot of people need to experience. And it was a beautiful game and many other aspects as well. So um, next category, best ongoing. Oh boy. Right. Legends, Destiny Two, call of duty, Warzone, Fortnite. And No Man's Sky. Well, considering they're pretty much killing Call of Duty Warzone for the next Call of Duty, let's just throw that one out. Also, uh, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> it's all shooters, right? And then No, and then Man's, no Sky. Man's Sky. Uh, now, the question is, what would I like to win versus what I think would win? Because I think what I think would win would be no, would be uh, Fortnite. Because, oh, sorry. Because it's Fortnite, as I... The mic goes, I go to grab a drink. Yeah, but fuck Fortnite. Yeah. Fuck Epic Games. Yeah, there's a reason why I don't collect the uh, free games from Epic. I don't want to be part of that. But, yeah, I think you're right. Fortnite's probably going to win. I want yeah. No Man's Sky to win. I mean, a little I, I game was, they could. I mean, <laughs> I was utterly bored and fucking frustrated playing No Man's Sky on uh, Game Pass. Just because I hate the interface. And I found uh, the gameplay, at least in the very beginning, dull. But, yeah, it's different from these other ones, right? You have uh, three Battle Royale games and an MMO. Yeah. And the MMO just cut out a bunch of content because, you know, they needed to save space for the consoles that are now, you know, obsolete. Yep. Peasants. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I like No Man's Sky. Uh, and they continue to add and expand the game. And I don't, I still don't think they've sold a single piece of DLC or a single microtransaction. Yeah, which I gotta admit is impressive. You know what would have been more impressive? If the game was worth half a fucking game when it came out. I agree with you, but also I think at this point that's kind of irrelevant. Not just for No Man's Sky, but for gaming in general. I think yeah, the and, I fucking of- ha- and I fucking hate them for doing that, for ba- for normalizing that. That's why I rarely buy games on release anymore. Right. So let's move away from the anger <laughs> and talk about the best indie game. Uh, Carrion, Fall Guys, Hades, Spelunky 2, and Spiritfarer. Uh, some very diverse games, huh? Very good games, though. I mean, I've played Carrion and Spiritfarer both. Mm-hmm. And I could be convinced that either one of those games could be the best indie game of the year. 
Oh, I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking about it. Okay, Carrion is the reverse horror game. Fall Guys is essentially uh, MXC. Uh, uh, With Bean. Battle Royale. <laughs> and, and, and was just, well, I should say, is still stupid popular. I mean, it's not, you know, topping the charts anymore, but it's still getting a very respectful 13,000 some players uh, uh, total a day on Steam. Just to give you a perspective, it's slightly more than what Elite Dangerous did today. Right. Um, Hades, once again, a very uh, strong contender. Spelunky 2, uh, it had some issues on release and they didn't include the multiplayer online component. And Spiritfarer as well. Spiritfarer. I kind of want to give it to Fall Guys. Just because it is something that it took the battle royale idea, but applied it to something completely different. Yeah, and was successful with it. They, mm-hmm. they did a good job. Yeah. And it was successful. Yeah, they had some server issues at the beginning, but then again, I don't think they were expecting just to get hammered. I mean, I just want to see what their uh, top. Da-da-da. At one time, they had 172,000 players. That's just stupid. Nobody could have been prepared for that. And it's held pretty steady with uh, some spikes here and there for the last uh, couple months in the twenty to uh, 15,000 range. It is slowly tailing off, but that's you know just the nature of things. But as they uh, do post-content releases, uh, or post-release uh, releases, of content, uh, hopefully you see spikes again, but it's just damn impressive. Yeah. But it's also seen some severe drop-off because, you know, it is a pretty simplistic game when it comes down to it. Oh. Yeah. Tough call. I think yeah. I would probably pick Spirit Fair after thinking mm-hmm. about it. Like, you know, I could be convinced that it could be Carrion, honestly, Fall Guys, probably Hades. Yeah, I I would give it to Fall Guys just because of how different it is. Yeah. Okay, best mobile game uh, among us: Call of Duty Mobile, Genshin Impact, Legends of Rune Terra, or Pokemon Cafe Mix. Yeah, strangely enough, I've played two of these. <laughs> among Us is terrible to play on the phone. Yeah, uh, yeah, it should have it should have been in the. the- yeah, it should have been in the uh, indie games, but uh, honestly, it's also free on PC or sorry, on free on mobile. So yeah, maybe that's where it's more popular. I actually don't know the player numbers on mobile. I don't either. Uh, it's, it is it's horrendous to play on mobile, from my in, uh, from my opinion. It's yeah, but, yeah, but right, yeah, I mean, it has a hundred thousand plus. In, uh, oh, sorry, a hundred million plus installs. On Google alone. Yeah. So that, that should tell you something. Call of Duty Mobile can suck my dick. Uh, uh, Geishan Impact is weird. It is essentially a, an open world uh, RPG, but it's totally not uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Totally not. <laughs> but, uh, but the thing is, it's actually somewhat good at least in the beginning well i'm still wanting to get a bit further into it before i talk more about it uh it does have the gotcha mechanics but the thing is that they throw so many uh, characters at you uh to play with with different play styles that 
you know, it doesn't feel like it matters that much unless you really, 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 really have to have that certain character. And right. Pokemon Cafe Mix is essentially a matchy three with uh, Pokemon. So out of all those, uh, honestly, I could see Among Us most likely just for how much of an internet darling it's became. Never mind the fact that Among Us has been out for ages. That's the yeah, thing. Two years. That's why I think they were going to give it to it because, yeah, it's been I'm out not- for ages, but suddenly, yeah, because somebody streamed it, right? Yeah. I'm not super familiar with Pokemon Cafe Mix. I don't know what Legends of Runeterra is at all. It's a, I, I, I took a look at it. It's a uh, card game. Okay. I think a Hearthstone-like. I haven't played Genshin, but I'm going to. Yeah, it's actually, uh, it handles fairly well. There's a lot of uh, of uh, essentially assist with it to make it playable on a phone. But yeah. then you could also, uh, like, one of the characters that you get pretty early is a bow user uh, who, uh, uh, if you just tap the attack, it will essentially auto attack and uh, lock onto a nearby target. But you're able to uh, have power attacks with every character. Every character essentially has a primary attack with their weapon, a secondary ability, and then there's like a limit break as you build up a damage that uh, you're able to use, like uh, a whirlwind or uh, the uh, the bow user Amber. She uh, essentially rains down a bunch of arrows from the sky, that, that sort of thing. But I uh, used to have a party of four that you could switch. Uh, uh, between pretty quickly, actually. That's why I said it didn't feel like the gotcha Im- uh, implications were necessarily as uh, strong in that one. Just because, you know, it doesn't really matter as much. Yeah. That, that's, um, why, I, that's why I'm going to give it like my secondary pick uh, past Among Us. I'd probably pick Among Us because it's the only one that I have any real experience with and really know much about. Um... Mm-hmm. But I think Among Us is vastly inferior on mobile to playing it on PC. Yeah, but yeah, it's like the internet darling right now. Right. I mean, hell, my niece or, uh, is uh, she's playing a Chinese knockoff of Among Us that's in 3D because she hated the 2D uh, look of Among Us. Yep. And she gets uh, frustrated because uh, she... Uh, She's 12, so she doesn't really have the attention span to uh, be able to figure out what's going on. And then just votes randomly and gets annoyed. Uh, But whenever she's the imposter, uh, she uh, just... uh, She's very suspicious. She's very sus. (laughs) Super sus. Yeah. Um, She doesn't play it cool. and hmm. Gotta play ice cold. Mm -hmm. Uh, So next, best community support. Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Fall Guys, Fortnite, No Man's Sky, Valorant. Uh, Fall Guys, easy peasy. They canceled their next game to focus on supporting yeah. Fall Guys after it blew up. Like, mm-hmm. smart move. Smart move. Support the community that, um, you know, descended from heaven and built your game up. Mm-hmm. I think that's I'm- funny that they called Destiny 2 having community support. That's hilarious. Yeah, uh, I guess I guess the uh, you know uh, negative uh, actually accounts. 
it's so bad it swings back around to being good. Yeah. Yeah, it's the MST3K effect. I mean, honestly, I never really hear anything about Apex Legends. Uh, hear way too much about Fortnite, but honestly, it just feels like you know the typical grind. Uh, Valorant, uh, just right. I have yeah. no idea. I never played this one. Never really heard about it outside of Twitch drops. No Man's Sky might be there, but it's just right. Uh, they go radio silent way too much. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm glad to see Jim is upholding the commandments in uh, Discord. What did he post in Discord? Never ever consider using G2A. Oh, nice. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I would say Fall Guys, maybe No Man's Sky, but No Man's Sky goes way too radio silent at Fall Guys. They were upfront. Yeah. Um, okay, best VR AR Dreams, Half Life Alex, Marvel's Iron Man. Star Wars Squadrons, Walking Dead, Saints, and Sinners. Well, uh, okay. one of these things is un- garbage. Uh, uh, Walking Dead? Yeah. Never played it. Only one I've heard really anything good about is Half-Life Alex. Star Wars uh, Squadrons in VR has gotten a lot of praise, but yeah, Half-Life Alex is on a whole other level. Yeah, it has to be that one. Yeah. Uh, either that or I'm demanding a recount. I'm, I'm I'm demanding a hand recount. I'm gonna get Rudy Giuliani in here. I'm gonna re- get Rudy Giuliani, and he's gonna drip hair down all over the place until I get my recount. If for some reason in the future, like decades later, someone stumbles upon this particular episode clip, <laughs> Rudy Giuliani will date this really fast. Yeah, uh, or I should say, us talking shit about Rudy Giuliani because remember, yo. About you, know, nineteen years ago, everybody loved him because, he, right? Yeah, no. or I should say, everybody outside of New York, because everybody in New York knew what a piece of shit mayor he was. But, eh, right? Yeah, but that's local politics for you. Um, all right, innovation and accessibility. Oh Assassin's boy, right? Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I don't know what they've done that innovates in accessibility. Grounded. Haven't heard anything about that. Hyperdot. I don't even know what that is. Last of Us 2, best fucking... I talked about this earlier. Uh, their strides they've made in accessibility. Watch Dogs Legion can go die in a hole. Uh, there, there, there's something funny about innovation and accessibility and having Watch Dogs Legion when only thing I've ever heard about uh, that game is just how fucking broken it is. I mean, I had, I had some interest in it just because of how groundbreaking it could be. But yeah, yeah I also was holding, yeah, well, wasn't holding my breath because Ubisoft, and right, Ubisoft will Ubisoft. Uh, I'm gonna look up Hyperdot just because I'm curious. But I mean, this goes to it, Last of Us Two, for me. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, I think I played this on Game Pass or something very, very similar. So the wow, there's a lot of flexible options. Uh, so supported controllers. Standard game pads, Xbox adaptive controller, mouse keyboard, eye tracking, tilt and touch controls. For Hyperdot? Yeah. Uh, it detects which controller you're using and automatically, uh, uh, you're using automatically. It also has hot contrast mode, colorblind mode, disables screen shake, disables background animations. And you could even start uh, Hyperdot in a windowed mode uh, just uh, by default. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I played this. I think it was on Game Pass. 
I don't I don't remember. But I don't know if Watch Dogs Legion had any major accessibility options either, or Assassin's Creed Valhalla. But I mean, The Last of Us 2, like I mentioned earlier, you can be literally blind, mm-hmm. and the game is designed to be playable for you with sound vibration cues. Um, but they have all of all of the contrast modes, various levels of uh, assistance for difficulty and uh, features that help players if they get lost or stranded. Uh, multiple difficulty, uh, a fairly complex difficulty system that you can tweak if you turn that option on. Um, has uh, looks like they actually have complete controller remapping uh, uh, on the console version of uh, 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 Assassin's Creed Valhalla. That's actually unusual. That is pretty unusual. And also several uh, alternatives to hold inputs. Uh, aim toggles, uh, two-step uh, confirmation in the UI instead of a hold. You know, this is slightly off off topic, but also slightly connected. I discovered the other day that Microsoft has a feature uh, mm-hmm. at least baked into the Xbox console. I don't know if it's accessible through PC in any way. Um, called Copilot Mode, where that two players can use two controllers to control the same character. Yeah, I found that out. Okay, you'll laugh at this one. Uh, even though I don't play it that much these days, there was, uh, I still have uh, the Warframe subreddit uh, subscribed to. I'm still subscribed to it, I should say. Uh, I don't know why I said it like Yoda, but eh. uh, But somebody was complaining about, and I haven't actually gone back to see if they fixed it. One of the updates, they broke the co-pilot mode on the Xbox version of Warframe. And there was a person that was blind that played it with their fiance. They would handle uh, essentially shooting and running around, while the other one would handle melee and using abilities. Uh huh. So that's how I found out about Copilot Mode. Yeah, I found out about Copilot Mode the other day, listening to a podcast uh, called Accessibility that uh, Laura K. Buzz does where she talks about accessibility stuff in gaming. And I was like, huh, I didn't know that this existed. And it's been around for years, apparently. Uh, okay, it's uh, a hardware-level thing that Microsoft does. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, the accessibility options for Dogs Legion. It, okay, I know I'm going to come off as a massive prick, but we're going here anyway. The fact that the that has fully customizable uh, controls on PC, shouldn't that be standard? That. <laughs> oh, I mean that. I, I mean that. I mean you shouldn't get bonus points for that. That that's base level expectation. And yeah, also talking about how much you could uh, change your aim assist and uh, aim magnetism, uh, right? Yep. First of all, I absolutely detest any PC game that uh, has forced on aim assist that I cannot turn off. That's uh, one of the worst things that, about playing Watch Dogs, which I know, uh, different uh, game company and everything else, but it just, right? It, yeah. it just getting me uh, flashbacks to it. But they do break it down quite a bit. You know, persistent uh, reticle is optional, and they also break down just what each option is, uh, helps with what. So, uh, audio uh, captions for important gameplay information, such as explosions, sirens, and shooting. These can be customized to display up to two or four elements at a time. Uh, audio captions also have cool directional arrows to sh- 
well, they have to highlight it's cool to show uh, where they're coming from. So that's actually a nice one because typically whatever you hear uh, about captions, it just says, you know, that there's something going on, but doesn't give you an indication of what direction. So that's nice at least. Yeah. I mean, nothing about this really screams out just as much as uh, last of us too, but it's good to see that they're doing it. Hey, they, they allow you to control or to change all the controls on PC, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, next. Best action. Doom Eternal, Hades, Half-Life Alex, Neo 2, and Streets of Rage 4. Uh, wouldn't that be No 2? I have heard it only pronounced as Neo. I don't know if it is pronounced No or not. I'm just double-checking that because pretty sure that's the type of Neo. So I've, I might be uh, wrong on that one. Or it could be just for the game. But I've heard uh, it always pronounced as no when it comes to the type of theater. But it could be a different spelling that I'm not, that I'm not familiar with. Right. Okay. Um, out of those, probably Doom Eternal. Pretty intense, fast-paced, gory action. Yeah, Doom Eternal is going to be hard to beat. Uh, as much as uh, Half-Life Alex has to go for it, uh, being innovative, I don't think it's going to top Doom Eternal. Streets of Rage was pretty damn impressive, but it's also pretty dated <laughs> these days. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you on uh, Doom Eternal there. So, best action adventure. Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Ghosts of Tsushima, Spider-Man Miles Morales. Uh, Don't you Spider- mean Spider-Man? The Spider-Man. The Spider-Man. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And The Last of Us 2. Mm, right. Probably Spider-Man. Um, given the stuff on the list. I mean, I yeah. love Star Wars for sure. But Jedi Fallen Order was like, I don't know, not up my alley. Yeah, I think I'll, get, I'll agree with you there on Spider-Man. Okay. Best role-playing game. Final Fantasy VII Remake, Genshin Impact, Persona 5, Wasteland 3, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Oof. I think it's really a... Wasteland 3 is a very strong contender here, but it's also a very, you know, niche uh, RPG as well, because it is a CRPG. Right. Uh, Genshin Impact probably has the widest uh, player base right now. Uh. Yakuza, I really uh, like as well. So, actually, I'm, I think I'm going to uh, give it to Yakuza, but I really expect Final Fantasy VII to win this one. Yeah. I also expect Final Fantasy VII to re- win, but I'm going to give it to Persona 5. Kids in school fighting <laughs> weird mind monsters. All right, best fighting. I'm going to be way out of my depth here. Uh, Grand Blue Fantasy versus Mortal mm-hmm. Kombat 11 Ultimate. Street Fighter Five Champion Edition, a bunch, man, a hero nobody knows, and Under Night in Birth EXE Late CLR M O U S C. I mean, I like One Punch Man the most out of everything on that list. It, it's it does something very very different to all of these. So One Punch Man is based off the anime uh, about a guy that is literally unbeatable. He Kills ninety nine point nine 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 percent of things with one punch. 
And he's playable in this game, but the way you get to him is interesting. So as essentially you have to survive long enough for him to show up and counterattacking and blocking properly gets him there faster. He's like running to the battle. Uh, and there's a very diverse cast of characters in One Punch Man. So I really, really, really want to give it to him. Only I don't expect One Punch Man to get it. Uh, you know, I expect, you know, like uh, Street Fighter v, uh, Five Champion Edition, even though it was absolute shit when it released from everything I heard. Mm-hmm. Because was that the one that they released bare bones just to get uh, get it into the tournament scene? I honestly don't remember. I don't because because the pro- yeah the problem is that there's like okay. no okay so this is an upgrade to Street Fighter Five you can't even can't even buy Street Fighter Five uh, Champion Edition by itself. You have to buy this is a DLC for Street Fighter Five, which. That's the one that they released absolute bare bones. Uh, it had basically online play, and that was it. And just a handful of characters. That was the ones that were available in that in that particular tournament. Yeah. So, I mean, I really expect them to give it to Street Fighter Five just for uh, name recognition. Either that or to Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate. Even though that one really bristled with the uh, fans as well because it's essentially the complete package of of Mortal Kombat 11 uh, but it's severely discounted and you can't in people that has even just a handful of the DLC is just getting screwed over by it right so yeah I'm really expecting either two of those to win even though I really want one punch win one punch man to win it just because of how hilarious it is and also the fact I think they put a typo in this because uh, the second N is uh, capitalized in those. Yeah. Yeah, they've made a couple of typos on this list. Yeah. I just haven't been pointing them out because. Well, that's the one that's the more obvious one that I spotted. So, so best family. Indeed. Uh, well, I'm oh, sorry. What was yours? Uh, I, I kind of. Oh, I said one punch man. Okay. Yeah. But you agree with me. You yeah. agree with me that it's going to be one of those two, most likely. So, best family. Animal Crossing New Horizons, Crash Bandicoot 4, It's About Time, Fall Guys, Mario Kart Live Home Circuit, Minecraft Dungeons, Paper Mario, The Origami King. Whew, right? So, one of these games is not even a game, really. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Mario Kart Live, that's the little remote-controlled car that's controlled by the Switch. Yes. Is, is an AR uh, driving game. And it's really neat, but best family? I think it costs like a hundred and something dollars to have four people be able to play the Mario Kart. No! It costs a hundred dollars to have one person play it. Oh, I thought it was more or less expensive than that. No, no. And you could only have two of them. Uh, I know on, on Linus Tech Tips, they set it up where they could race with four. Oh, I, I didn't realize you could have four, but uh, let me just double check my pricing. So by now, um, like you'd be Mario or Luigi, and it's $99 per cart. Yeah. That is a fucking expensive family game night. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, I mean, out of these, I probably would say Animal Crossing. 
Um, I would say Animal Crossing or Fall Guys. Yeah. Fall Guys, I think, could be a fun family game night. Uh, I'm not sure if it has local split split screen. Uh, uh, No, it does not, actually. But it does have a party system. Uh, Minecraft Dungeons could also be it. It, It's like Baby's first uh, dungeon crawler. Yeah. So, mm, all right. Yeah, depending on, I guess, what, you know, who in the family you're wanting to play with. Yeah. But yeah, Animal Crossing or in Fall Guys are the two that I would yeah. go for. Uh, I'm just going to go with Bar- Fall Guys just because. So, so yeah. Uh, you want to do this one? Yeah, best sim slash strategy. Crusader <laughs> Kings 3, Desperados 3, Gears Tactics, Microsoft Flight Sim, XCOM Chimera Squad. So uh, it's more like best uh, strategies and one sim. Yeah. Right? You just wanted a category to include Flight Simulator. Yeah, and kind of come up with four other simulators, I guess. So, Crusader Kings 3, we have a lot of experience with. <laughs> uh, yeah. Gears Tactics, we have a fair amount of experience with. Desperados 3, I don't really have a lot of experience with, uh, but I know of. Um, XCOM Shamir Squad is kind of the sequel to XCOM 2, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a little. I mean, it's to say it's XCOM Light is a disservice to it, but it is a little bit more uh, story focused mm-hmm. than like main story focused than the previous XCOM games. Yeah, I, I kind of want to. I think I'm going to just give it to uh, Crusader Kings Three. I mean, uh, Microsoft Flight Sim. I have severe problems with just because of how they handle updates. Seems yeah. like every single time I go to play it, uh, you know, it's. Like twelve hours worth of updates that it needs to download, and I'm not joking on that. Yeah. So Crusader Kings three and Gears Tactics are both pretty pretty up there for me. Mm-hmm. Although, given you know what we've played the most of this year, definitely Crusader Kings three. Yeah, I, I just think uh, uh, Crusader Kings three has a once you could get past that initial pump of uh, difficulty of learning it. It yeah. is uh, a more accessible game because uh, Gears Tactics, it's a very uh, uh, niche title because honestly, I think if somebody is really interested in uh, strategy, uh, squad strategy games, they would go to XCOM or they would go to one of the other squad strategy games and kind of you know, not really look at Gears Tactics. And it's not a bad game. It's just not a standout title either. Desperados three is a stealth strategy and with a Western theme, what, which is very neat, but yeah, once again, right. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just going to stick with crusader Kings and anybody that uh, thinks otherwise. Well, watch your back that you have an entry plot against you. Indeed. Uh, my other expectation is maybe Microsoft Flight Simulator to win, just because that was kind of a darling for people. Yeah. All right. Best sports racing, sports slash racing. Vroom. Um. Yes. So Dirt big. Five, F One, uh, Twenty Twenty, FIFA Twenty One, NBA Two K Twenty One, or Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One Plus Two. So. There's two games in here that are absolute dickbags to players, right? Yeah. 
uh, FIFA and NBA. It just, oh, right. Yep. Uh, Dirt Five, I haven't heard a lot about lately. Uh, I'm just going to go look at that. I mean, it has some pretty mixed reviews. Ooh, right. Indeed. I was going to say possibly Dirt Five, but I guess. Yeah, it, it, it looks like. It looks like it's didn't really strike the good balance be- in the sim in the simcade area, and also I had some uh, uh, performance issues. Oh, and no wheel support either for a racer. That's weird. That's very guess, that's very weird. So I guess I'm going to pick uh, Tony Hawk then. Yeah, I mean Tony Hawk seems like the the kind of the standout, huh? Yeah. So Feel, feels weird to have a game that's a couple decades old, huh? Yeah. All right. Best multiplayer. Animal Crossing New Horizon, Among Us, Call of Duty Warzone, Fall Guys, or Valorant? Uh, oh. It's tough I think it's a- between Among Us and Fall Guys. Yeah, I was about to say the same exact thing. Just because uh, Animal Crossing, it's kind of a, a very lonesome experience, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the multiplayer is either going to check out other people's islands or going and playing with them on their own island, or they come to visit yours. Mm-hmm. But it's, unless they've changed it a lot since the last time I looked into it, it's fairly bare bones. Like, you get a little bit of a reward, and you help harvest some stuff, and you can check out their island, but that's kind of it. So, yeah, I don't know which way to go on this one, because, you know, um, Among Us is a very niche game, but so is Fall Guys. Call of Duty Warzone could suck it. And Valorant, yeah. I have no qualms with but I also don't really you know know a lot about it I mean it's a uh, oh it's from Riot Games so there you go right yeah that, w- that would explain the, the major uh, Twitch uh, uh, Twitch Prime or Twitch Games or whatever the hell they're calling it this week uh, uh, push on it huh yeah looking at the list because I've played it I'm going to pick Among Us yeah, well, I'll just go with Fall Guys, just to be contrarian. So we, could be- so we could both lose when they say Call of Duty Warzone. <laughs> right. Best debut game. Carrion, Mortal Shell, Raji, an ancient epic, Roki, and Phasmophobia. Phasmophobia is an absolutely stellar starter game for, uh, for a single game developer. It's a... Four-player ghost hunting sim, a survival horror. I mean, it's just amazing just how much that got uh, traction. Yeah. It is early access still, so it, there is that. But it's just quite phenomenal, just uh, how much uh, it took off. So it's kind of hard to really uh, throw anything else. And I mean, Carrion is also up there. I've played Carrion, so I pick Carrion. Well, I haven't played any of these. And I don't know Mortal Shell. Another, that looks very, very uh, uh, Dark Souls-esque. Just look at the others, but kind of wanted to go to Phasmophobia just because. Right. Okay. Content creator of the year. No idea who the hell these guys are. I know who Alana Pierce is. I mean, I'll read them off. Alana Pierce, Nick Merckx, Tim the Tatman, J.N. Lopez, and Valkyrie. I know who Alana Pierce is, so I pick her. I have no idea who any of these people are. I'm old. Get off my lawn. <laughs> right. Best esports game. Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Counter-Strike Go. Simple. None of these. Fortnite. League of Legends. Valorant. 
Well, first of all, Fortnite isn't a very good esports game. It's not a very good game in general, but that's beside the point. It's a good way to fleece uh, uh, young kids out of their money, right? Right. League of Legends, eh. Call of Duty and uh, Counter-Strike. I, I, get, I guess Counter-Strike. But eh, I don't like any of these, really. Can I get a different list? Can I get a recount here? Uh, call Rudy again. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'll pick Counter-Strike Go. Yeah, I guess same. Even though I, I don't expect it to win. I expect uh, Fortnite to win. And Valorant, I've, like I said, I've seen nothing about. Yeah. Um. All right. Best esports athlete. I don't know who any of these people are. Eden uh, yeah. Trim Six Porter, Kyo Shoemakers. Uh, well, one's Call of Duty player. One's a legal or sorry, two's a League of Legends player or players. Uh, oh, two Call of Duty players and a Counter Strike Go player, and they all walk into a bar, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm then they say, "Ouch." I'm gonna vote for this guy, Anthony. Shotzi Suevas Castro. He's got Castro in his name. So there we go. Best esports team. And there are our teams. Dawson Gaming, Dallas Empire. Hey, look at it this way. We're giving these as much consideration as the game awards themselves will. Because you know that they'll be just tossed out, right? Yeah. All right. Best esports event. Blast Premier. Spring... 2020 European Finals, Counter-Strike Go, Call of Duty League Championship 2020, IEM Katowice 2020 Counter-Strike Go, League of Legends World Championship 2020, Overwatch League 2020. Well, simple. It's the Overwatch League because of all the problems that they caused by centering people, right? Right. It gave us so much to talk about. Indeed. Um, all right. Actually, I don't know if it was that particular uh, one. I think it was actually one of the preliminaries leading up to it. But still, I mean, just I, it, it's how about the one that didn't get canceled because of uh, COVID? Right. Um, last category: best esports host. None of them. Ify Shooks Deportier, Alex Machine Richardson, Alex Golden Boy Mendez, James Dash Patterson. Jorian Shiver Vander Hilden. Hyden? <laughs> Hesden? I don't know. I'm picking him. Well, uh, actually, that's a her. Her. All right. I'm picking well, her. Well, well, Dash has a very punchable face. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just uh, doing quick searches, and it's like, ugh, right? Yeah, I don't like you. I don't like any of these, but I don't like esports. E- so, so yes, one of them. Yes, one of them will win. I don't know which one. Don't really care. But like I said, we're giving as much consideration to this category as the as the award show will itself. I bet. Very true. And that's it for the whole list. That was the last one. Woo! That didn't take long at all. Yeah, only like an hour and a half. Hey, look at it this way. It made us uh, made up for a short game club and having no games to talk about, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, our other news topic of the night. Um, Nintendo bans brands from using Animal Crossing New Horizon for politics. Uh, I like uh, the subtitle. Bonin, it's Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm actually shocked that Nintendo didn't uh, come down on this sooner with uh the Biden campaign 
using Animal Crossing as kind of a reach out tool. Yeah. Uh, but I think this is more leaning towards not just uh, the Biden campaign and everything, but also, you know, when you start to talk about politics, a lot of things can fall under that. And Nintendo is using this as kind of a blanket policy to be able to say, oh, that's not allowed. Because I, in the comments on the Reddit uh, 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 link for this, they were talking about how Nintendo's banned uh, uh, the gay flag as uh, you know, being too political in Smash. So I think this is going to be used as a hammer for a lot of things that isn't quite as obvious right now. Perhaps, you know, going as far as maybe appeasing China later on. And I know that sounds like me wrapping myself in tinfoil and calling myself a baked potato, but, you know, <laughs> right? It is yeah. a very, very big game market. Yeah. So having a policy in place if something upsets them, right? Yeah. Um, I think my my guess is Nintendo's like, okay, kind of dodge a bullet with this one that we got this guy to do it the first time. Let's not take any chances in the future. Yeah, especially you know after uh, you know, uh, the elections. Like, okay, well, I, I think that's the primary reason why we uh, haven't seen them coming down on this yet. It's just that they don't want to come out as censoring a campaign uh, in the middle of an election because of, you know, right? Because Facebook has had issue with you know, little things called fact-checking, right? Indeed. Facebook has been having lots of issues. <laughs> so good on them for playing a little cautious. Yeah, it's just... I'm just very pessimistic about their motivations here. Because, yeah, we have seen some rather shitty things that Nintendo's done over the years as, under the crux of trying to be family-friendly. But uh, just silencing speech in uh, in the process. So yeah, very 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 big grain of salt, right? Right. Couldn't agree more. Um, I don't know if I have anything else to say. It's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just trying to essentially dip this in the bud uh, for the future. But is uh, is this particular Animal Crossing going to have that long of legs on it for another? Uh, election cycle and i know i'm looking at this as a dumb american because i know elections are happening all the time politics is happening all the time and this could be used as a way to get a rallying cry out for a cause that nintendo might not want in their game and the fact that they're coming out and saying also that it has to remain family friendly so that's why i'm kind of leaning towards the fact that Okay, well, they also want to keep it in the age rating of the game, which is a very, very child-friendly game, that they could use this as a way to bludgeon out speech that they're uncomfortable with. And Nintendo tries to keep a very, very squeaky image. They do indeed. And for the most part, I think they succeed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see them enforce this, though. And I love uh, the comments are talking about well, how are they going to enforce this? Because, you know, Trump just plays whatever music because, you know, uh, it's it's uh, like having the band members sitting there playing, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of these things uh, does not equate the other. One of these things is not like the other. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I mean, I, you know, I don't have anything else to add. So if you're done, 
Yeah. That gives us uh, two completed news topics this week. Woo! Uh, hey, Rach, where can they get in contact with us? Well, if you wish to contact us, you can do so vglpodcast at gmail.com, uh, vglpodcast on the Twitter, or you can find the link to our Discord, which uh, Jim was uh, talking about uh, the commandments, which we haven't invoked in quite a while. Uh, by going over to vglpodcast.podbean.com. Indeed. So I would like to petition to not do Discovery Q this week. Okay. I am very, <laughs> very sleepy between work and the in-laws mm-hmm. and a poor night's sleep. My yeah. body's like, all right, that's it. You did two hours. I'm yeah. done. Yeah, well, I had a pretty shit game to start off with anyway. So. so. No music this week, and instead, hey, Rage. Yeah, well, well I will tell you what came up, and then you could uh, uh, see why. Shamu 3, right? <laughs> I know that you said Shinmu 3, but I thought of it Shit as Shamu. No, I thought it was Shamu 3. <laughs> Shamu. Shamu 3. This time the whale is back, and he's pissed off. Harvesting some blubber. No, they will be the blubber coming this summer if the COVID doesn't cancel it. Coming this summer to a theater near you. Shamu 3. This time, it's personal. (laughs) After spending years trying to find where sailors are at, is this time going to be any different? Find out on the next installment. Of Shenmue three, yes, with uh, a quick short uh, before the feature film of of my gay uh, my ten gay clown dads. Yes, yes. Also knows the best part of that, right? Yeah, the best part of the whole goddamn show, the ten gay clown dads. Anytime they come out, and this is just <laughs> I'm just making this up. This is anytime they come out, the numbers explode. <laughs> the gay clown dads are in the house the big top indeed um but yeah anyways hey rage hit him with the socials oh i've been caffeine rage you can find me on twitter gave me a cr and if you wish to be my friend on steam you can find me caffeine rage and you've been gaming psychologist you find me on the youtubes by searching for that gaming psychologist I mean, on Twitter at JMA. <laughs> Find me on Steam by sending your friend request to JR4707. What's uh, up? Just, just kind of the way you kind of switch gears like that. It sounded like you made a mistake and it made me laugh. Oh. <laughs> Fair play. Fair play. Uh, and if you also wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Sleepy Tom. Indeed. Sleepy, sleepy Tom. Tom. Oh, so scrolling all the way back up. Uh, once again, you can contact, contact us, vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game related topics, or just tweet them to us, vglpodcast on the Twitter. Our level lovely patrons are to blame for this absolute madness. You can find out more at patreon.com slash vglpodcast. But they also support us by having, by supporting our website, vglpodcast.podbean.com which hosts the show notes, the RSS feed, links to all our stuff, and link to the Discord. Or you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcatcher of choice if you wish to spread the love. 
Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kim McLeod. You can find his work over at Incompetech.com. And... <clears throat> oh, my goodness. That was not... My throat just refused to work there, but... Uh, uh, well, just open it up and you know, prepare for the uh, gay clown dads. Oh, uh, yeah. Get me some lubricant from my throat. It's come. Definitely come. As always, as his lovely music starts to come all over my voice. <laughs> I said that on purpose. Bye-bye now. Uh, I, I'm glad I can't see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>